Welcome to the Dry Eye Coach podcast series, Click on Dry Eye, your insider pass to the most exclusive dry eye topic. The series will raise awareness about the current and future state of ocular surface disease. The podcast will focus on a variety of topics. In today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with our good friend, Jason Miller, who is a partner in a four-doctor private practice in Powell, Ohio. I've worked with Jason for over the last decade, both lecturing and writing on this topic of billing and coding. And we both work together on AOA Ask the Coding Experts. And he also serves on the coding committee previously before I joined the coding committee. So welcome, Jason. <laughs> thank Hi, you Jason. all. I appreciate it. Yep, Tracy, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Hey, tell us a little bit about your practice before we get into the nuts and bolts of our topic. Yeah, so sure. You know, I've been very fortunate. Uh, you know, I opened uh, or I opened, I joined a practice uh, when I graduated, uh, you know, just a few years ago. And I was fortunate to uh, be in a growing community and we've um, been blessed to have some great patients. And we've grown from, you know, being a pretty small location, one doctor location to four doctor, pretty, pretty large practice. And we, we you know, very multi-specialty practice. We, we provide just about everything we can and we love to, we love to continue to expand what we, what we can provide our patients and provide the best quick care, you know, that we know of. I've, my 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 um, my uh, my big two areas that I love to work with are not only just contact lens care. We do a lot of research in contacts. Um, I also do a fair amount of research in dry eyes as well. And dry eyes and ocular surface disease are a big staple of what we provide in our practice. And obviously, we you know we you know we want to provide everything to our patients. But I've learned pretty early on I I didn't want to be just uh, in our practice. We didn't want this to be just a a one thing that we provide. We wanted to be, um, we wanted to diversify what we offer our patients so that we can make sure that um, we can provide what they need to suit their needs and continue to grow in, in the right fashion. So that's kind of how we've developed our practice and how I've developed myself as an optometrist through the years. So how did you get involved in billing and coding? Was it just as a natural extension through what you're doing at your practice or did you have a specific interest in the business aspect? Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, I've I've always had an interest in the business aspect of optometry. I I think um, early on um, I've learned just from some of the different practices I've worked in that there's some amazing doctors out there that may not understand kind of the nuts and bolts of how to run their practice and maybe even leaving lots of revenue on the table. Um, so yeah, I I uh, early on I wanted to go back and finish my MBA and and understand more about the business and understand. Now, not only can I just run the practice better, but also understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing that. And, um, you know, I think building and coding is a natural, is a natural, you know, outcropping of that. We want to be able to um, understand that we're not going to be leaving anything on the table with, um, with what we're providing. It's not, it's not trying to maximize our billing. It's trying to, um, to be able to get paid for what we're appropriately deserve to get paid. We're providing high quality care. We're providing high quality service to our patients and, and to, to do that. And then and to do that at a discount is, you know, you don't want to do that as a, as a slap in the face. You want to be able to provide the quality care that you want to provide and feel the freedom that you're going to get reimbursed appropriately for that time and expertise that you've, you've provided to your patients. Hey, Jason, what are some of your go-to resources when it comes to billing and coding? Because we know we all have our experience, but it doesn't mean we're doing it right. So what are some of the resources you recommend? 
Yeah, you know, I think um, AOA Coding is has some great resources. Um, you know, I've I've used those through the years as my as probably my go to resources. There, um, some of their um, you know their AOA Coding books that they provide early on. Now, most everything's electronic. Um, I also think it's important to get to know the right people. I was fortunate to work with you, Walt, through the years, and fortunately to work with Chuck Brownlow through the years, and and get to know people that you respect and you respect their opinions on 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 how they're doing things. And and it's it's not specifically about you know upcharging or or anything. It's about charging appropriately for your time and your expertise, and and being fair to to not only yourself but your patients. So, yeah, I think. Um, you know, I think I would, I would point to AOA coding as my, as my, you know, go-to online resource I'd go to, but I would also say getting to know the right people and, and who those resources you can go to if you, it's nice just to bounce ideas off people. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, there's no one has all the answers. And I think the, uh, I think the codes are written to be a little vague at times and to be up for interpretation. So, it's nice to know how other people are interpreting some of the rules that are out there. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's probably the biggest resources I've gone to over the years. But just to be clear, just because you get paid does not mean you did it right. Yes, that's 100% correct. Yeah, so, so getting paid is not right because we've all been audited through the years. And if, you, if you've been audited, it's about, being able to, it's about being able to understand why you build something that way. And, um, and so if you don't know the rules and an auditor comes in and asks you, like, why did you build this, this level? And you say, I don't, I don't know. I, I thought this was what you're supposed to do with all these patients. Um, that's not the right answer. Well, Tracy and I have a lot of coding questions for you, but limited yeah. amount of time. Um, <laughs> and so I'll let you go first, Tracy. <laughs> okay. This is great. Cause now I know a person. So congratulations on now being one of my people. <laughs> We often get these um, questions on how to address the vision versus medical issue. What are some pearls in your practice that you use to educate patients on the need to switch um, from the vision to the medical prior to dry visits? Yeah, it's such a great question because I think it's something that optometry has, has um, you know, probably over the years not done a very good job of is just understanding, you know, hey, I'll, how am I going to provide dry eye care at the reimbursement that I'm rate that I'm getting from a vision plan. Right. And, and, and um, yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to what is, what was that patient for? What's their reason for the visit? What did you determine is there issues that are because of that reason for the visit? And that's going to lead you to um, the, choosing the right plan for that. There are times also where you can coordinate those benefits, right? So you may want to, there could be times where, a patient comes in and, and um, you know, they uh, they not only you're not only doing a follow up on their on their on their on their ocular surface disease and you're not doing a follow up on what their treatment is. Um, but now they want to do their vision exam at that same time. There's times where you can send that to their medical. And then once that once that once that ex explanation of benefits or the EOB comes back, you can balance build that to their vision and, and oftentimes the patient is is taken care of on both sides so in all the vision plans they give you a way of how to coordinate those benefits they try to make it maybe not so easy at times but they do give you that option to uh to um coordinate the benefits so it doesn't mean you can't build both at the same time you have to build a medical first and then you take that eob and you send it to the vision plan secondary and they uh, and they will pay you accordingly based on what what that plan provides Hey, did I just hear you? I'm supposed to read those contracts. 
you should <laughs> probably look it over a little bit. You know, you may want to know a little bit of of of, of what's going on with those contracts. But uh, but yes, not not that you know word for word, but uh, but there are some good knowledge in there. And, and and at the end of the day, I can tell you, I don't read those contracts either. Um, it's uh, it, you know, some of it is understanding um, from the resources that that uh, we get from um, from from each other as as billing. Um, people are not only experts, just building people that understand the system, um, but also understanding, um, you know, what uh, what we're being told from from the plans. Uh, you explained already about patient companies for vision. They have dry eye, how, you know, reappoint them for, with for their medical exam. And then you said the opposite as well. They're there for medical, but they want glasses. What are some pearls or tips that you can share in regards to your your staff? Because they're the ones talking to the patient. Is there anything that they do on the front end before you even get to you to, to help the patient understand there's two different insurances? We may need to use both. Yeah. You know, I think it starts at the front desk when they check in. And, you know, they they may think, oh, I just they just need my VSP or I just need my IMED or whatever my vision plan is. Um, and then our staff, the first thing they ask is, you know, do you have a copy of your medical insurance card? And and there are definitely patients that are like, well, why do you need my medical insurance? Well, we treat medical issues all the time here. So there are times if you've got a medical issue, we need to know what your medical plan is. If we need to, um, if we see that they've got something going on on their ocular surface or even something going on, you know, could be have a vitreous detachment or something else that's going on that we need to follow um, or cataracts, right? Those types of things, you know, it's important to understand that medical insurance that uh, so that starts with the front desk. They are gathering that information when when a patient checks in, uh, and then also it goes follows through with our technicians. They do a very thorough, um, you know, basically reason for visit kind of history uh, with the patient in the exam room. And so understanding that this patient, when we, we walk into the room, I know what their vision is. I I've got some pretest information. Um, I've got uh, some of their chief complaints or the reason for vision that they're there, and then I can expand on that. And, and try to try to get to the heart of what their reason is there. So I think, um, you know, we, we do have some patients that um, will sometimes ask, well, which one is going to get billed today? Well, we don't know that ahead of time. You know, we need to find out what you're here for. And uh, but we do have we do have a brochure that we can hand out that talks about the differences. Uh, I, you know, I think we've been doing this long enough in our practice. We don't utilize that quite as much. Uh, but I think initially, you know, when we started implementing this type of system that the, that we, we did have a brochure that talks about what's the differences for the, from the medical versus the vision, because there is a lot of confusion from the patient care side. They, um, they don't understand, um, well, why do you need this one for that one? And, and so, yeah, we, we, we do a lot of education for the staff. So they're very familiar with how to talk to patients about the differences. Tracy, how do you all handle it? I mean, I'm in a medical practice, so I don't have any vision right. care plans, but any pearls from your end? Well, um, I'm a referral only based service. So if we if if dry is detected in one of the other doctor's services and they want to refer that patient over to see me, they're sent to a very specific person who gives them a call back to schedule, explains in great detail. We call her my dry concierge. So she really sets up the expectations. This is why my conversion rates are through the roof because the patients know exactly what's about to happen to them cost-wise and insurance-wise before they hit the door. So if somebody's not able to do it or is not interested from that price point perspective, they don't tend to book with me. So um, it, it happens that we're educated very well on what, what patients can do. 
Which does bring me to your point, like, what do you do about patients um, who need to do the cash paying services? Because as you know, not all dry therapy is covered by insurance. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I, you brought up something I think I just wanted to, wanted to hit on as I love that you, the one thing that we don't want to do is surprise a patient when they're checking out. And I think that's really important that we are upfront with our fees and our services um, because, um, you know, we're not going to be able to continue to grow. And, and have patient retention if they get to the to the checkout at the end and they're like and they're surprised with the bill. So I think it's really critical that we um, that we do set those expectations appropriately ahead of time. So you do need somebody talking to to the to your patients about um, about uh, you know what insurance or is this cash pay this or that. Um, so any of the cash pay services that we provide um, and we do offer quite a few. They um, it is important that um, we do talk to them ahead of time with that. We have a form that we go over. It gives them exact pricing, what's included in that. Um, and, you know, it's a very soft sale. Honestly, I talk to the patients about the advantages of this treatment. This advanced treatment is going to provide, you know, this. And this is why I'm recommending this to you. And I do think that's important is that a patient understands the why. If they don't understand the why, they're not going to understand why they're paying, you know, extra X dollars for something. So, so yeah, I think that um, you know we have we have our our, our templates, we have our forms, we have our um, our uh, our uh, our staff understands their um, their wordage that they're going to use with patients whenever it comes to talking about these treatment options, and so I think it really makes um, that process pretty seamless. We really don't have too much of an issue, you know. As you said, I mean, you've got a concierge. I love that word. Um, you know, talking to talking to your patients ahead of time about what the appropriate expected fees are going to be, and and I think that's that makes all the difference in the world. Just just no surprises when you check out. Mm-hmm. And there's something you can do for everybody, but it's just making sure that they know what's kind of going to be at their price point. Expectations are super important. You want to set those appropriately. Yeah, you know, and 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 we have a like you know a dry kit per se that we will. That we'll give out, not give out. We sell at a pretty reasonable rate at, at the initial appointment, even if it's not a dry workup, or maybe if they're just in for their exam. But then I'll have them back for that dry workup. So it's just something that that we, um, you know, in, in that kit, it, it'll have you know a variety of things, whether it's nutraceuticals or or heat mask or uh, you know it could be it could be a hypochlor spray or something like that. Right, putting those things in a little kit that you get a patient started with and then have them back for a more thorough evaluation. I think it signifies to them, you know, I just don't need to go grab something over the counter because that's what they're going to do. They're going to grab a series of drops and none of them are going to work. So it's, so it's important that we, that, and if you are going to prescribe something over the counter, it's important that you dictate what that is. So they're not just, you know, just a grab bag approach to that. So Jason, um, so a patient comes in, we know that some insurances cover some tests like, MMP9 and some don't. Do you have your patients sign an ABN for all those? Or, you know, if it's private pay and you know the private insurance isn't going to pay for it, do you just not do the test? Or what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah. So, you know, I think the non exclusion of medical benefits. Yeah. 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 Or it's Medicare. Yeah. I think the ABN is a great idea. I think it's, it's a form that you can have in your office. I can't say that we get that form 100% of the time on the staff. We certainly try and educate them. And I, um, but I think it's really important that, you know, that that is it is a some sort of form and the ABN is really nice because it is what is recommended on the coding and billing side is to have them sign an ABN form. Um, Medicare specifically, I, um, some of these patients aren't Medicare. So, you know, an ABN form doesn't 
you know, it's not um, quite as critical, but I think it's really, it's really useful as a tool that each of us can use within our practices to, uh, to educate the patient on what their expected fees are and why it's outside of their, of their normal coverage amount. Yeah. And, you know, because this is information that we're going to want from the patient. And so whether it's Medicare or private insurance, they have their own form as well that you could use. I mean, yep. to say, hey, if, if they're not sure, paying for it, tell the patient, this is the information we need. So yeah. uh, one of my last questions for you, and Tracy may have others, is so with ICD-10 changing, you know, the last year in 2021 and, you know, Schedule 3, Schedule 4, what things are you noticing? Because, you know, you see part of that, we're looking at how many problems they have, is it acute or chronic, how many, you know, what tests we're looking at, but then also treatment. But for treatment for dry eye, if you're doing prescription therapy, that already ranks a little bit higher. I mean, do you have any comments on E&M or pointers for that? Yeah, you know, I, I yeah. So I only gave you a minute and 30 seconds to answer this. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one here at the, the end of the... Wow. Wow. Thanks, Walt. I appreciate that. Um, so, um, no, I would say that there's definitely been a lot of confusion with the changes on the new ICD-10, but, but you're right. At the end of the day, if you're prescribing, if you're prescribing your patient something, um, a prescription drop, you know, you're definitely going to be hitting one of the higher level codes in general. Um, but at the end of the day, it is important to understand um, what level 99 series code you're going to be hitting based on what service level you're providing and how many issues they have going on. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I try not to think too much about that while I'm doing an encounter. I really don't want that to be in the back of my mind. I'm not trying to do extra tests just to, just to get to a higher level of billing. Um, but I think it's, you know, the, the patient's problems are going to dictate what tests and what things you need. And then you're going to, if you're providing a higher level service and you're prescribing drops, you're usually going to hit one of the higher level codes, your level four, for established patient or level three for a new patient most of the time. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're providing that care, you deserve to bill for that appropriate level of care too. So it is important to understand what, 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 uh, what those rules are. Hey, well, you did a great job answering that in a short amount of time, uh, <laughs> but just to be clear for our listeners, what we're talking about is the level of medical decision-making, you know, it comes in three different, three different boxes. One is the number and complexity of problems addressed. A second area is going to be the amount and complexity of the data to be reviewed. And the last thing that Jason and I both mentioned is when you're prescribing treatments, the risk of complications, uh, morbidity or mortality of patient management. So that's where we're coming from. Uh, there are many great resources. Jason mentioned AOA uh, coding today. If you go there, there's uh, excellent webinars that can talk to you how to determine which codes they are. And they weren't like before, just because, uh, you know, I had a, a technician say, Oh, that was a level four they get, because they were dilated today. I said, nah, -uh, that's not no. how it works anymore. So no. it didn't really work back then either. So uh, no. any final pearls that you have for us, Jason, in regards to this whole uh, billing and coding for dry eye? Yeah, no, I, my, my final thing would just say, if you, if you haven't uh, jumped into dry treatment, there's a very low level of, of entry into that, into that, you know, into that realm. So it doesn't take a whole lot of investment for you to be able to provide high quality dry eye care within your practice. And, you know, you need, you need some fluorescing strips, some listening green strips. You know, I think there are some excellent, excellent advanced, advanced um, instrumentation out there. If you want to look at, you know, the tear film, you want to look at the myobomine glands, you want to look at any types of things. There's some awesome imaging sources out there. You don't have to have all of them out of the gate. And I would just encourage everyone, if you are going to provide that care, it's not only about 
understanding what what you're going to provide, but also knowing how to get reimbursed for your time and your expertise expertise there. Very well said. Thank you so much for sharing your coding and billing pearls with us for ocular surface disease. And um, I'm sure I'll be having lots of conversations with you in the future.